Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, Episode 29. Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. I met my wife, Anne-Marie, in 1993 at my first job with Barry Postkanzer Architecture and Planning in Ridgewood, New Jersey. I had been working as an intern for several months and Barry was seeking a new employee, another intern to, to help with lower level tasks and to, to work with the licensed architects in the firm as a draftsman. If you're interested in my story, my journey from architecture school to owning my own architecture firm, check out an earlier episode of the Entrepreneur Architect podcast at entrearchitect.com slash episode 21. Soon after Amory was hired, a large package from Gateway Computers arrived in the studio. It was a new workstation, the firm's very first. Later that day, a couple of drafting boards were pushed to the side, a work table was cleared, and the massive tower was set up beside the new CRT 21-inch monitor. It was huge. Cutting-edge software was then painstakingly installed via a dozen or so 3.5-inch floppy disks. AutoCAD release R12 was the latest version for Windows version 3.1. Cutting-edge stuff. Up until that day, the firm had developed every design with pencils and sketch paper and prepared final drawings with ink and mylar. 
Anne-Marie and I were the guinea pigs hired to learn the new software and help transition the firm into the new era of computer-aided design. Today on the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, I'm going to explore the world of architectural design software and what packages are the best for small firm architecture studios. But before we get into today's main topic, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by the letter F. No, no, I'm just kidding. That's a little Sesame Street humor. In fact, today's episode is brought to you by Entrepreneur Architect Foundations, the 50-plus business forms and checklists, which I've developed over the last 15 years and are quite literally the foundation of our success at Five Cat Studio. So why spend the next 15 years developing your own forms and checklists when you could just download mine, customize them for your own firm, and be up and running in minutes? If you want to learn more about Entrepreneur Architect Foundations, go to entrearchitect.com foundations. Anne-Marie and I are 44 years old. We are the first generation of mainstream architecture firm CAD users. 21 years later, we're still using AutoCAD, and luckily, we've upgraded to Apple iMacs, and we're just, we just upgraded our software to AutoCAD LT uh, 2013. And today, we're living through another transition, this time to BIM software. BIM stands for Building Information Modeling. From Wikipedia, Building Information Modeling is a process involving the generation and management of digital representations of physical and functional characteristics of places. Building information models are files, often but not always of proprietary formats and containing proprietary data, which can be exchanged or networked to support decision-making about a place. Current BIM software is used by individuals, businesses, and governments, government agencies who plan, design, construct, operate, and maintain diverse physical infrastructures from water, wastewater, electricity, gas, refuse, and communication utilities to roads, bridges, and ports, from houses, apartments, schools, and shops to offices, factories, warehouses, and prisons, and on and on and on. Essentially, BIM allows an architect to build the building in the computer before it's built on the construction site. All the structure, all the electrical, heating, cooling, mechanical systems, they can all be developed and coordinated in the model, ensuring that everything will jive when the actual building is constructed. And that saves time and money. And there's lots more that BIM can do, such as daylighting studies and energy modeling. It can do everything that you basically want it to do. And truthfully, I may be completely wrong on any of this because I don't use BIM. At 5CAD Studio, we're using AutoCAD LT. It's 2D CAD drafting software, and we've been using it since we launched the firm in 1999. It's simple, it's inexpensive, and it's relatively easy to, to use. And upgrading to the newest release of AutoCAD LT costs us less than $900 per machine. And since we've been drafting with AutoCAD for more than two decades, we've become pretty efficient with our process. We can develop a set of construction documents very quickly, and they look good, and they're very easy to read by owners and contractors. And when we need 3D models to study maybe massing or communicate our ideas to our clients, 
we develop a quick model in SketchUp. I love the simplicity of SketchUp. It's easy to use and its sketch-like presentation formats allow for understanding the design that it's not completely, you know, that it's not complete yet, that it's not finished yet. The way it looks, looks like a sketch. And so uh, it, it sort of communicates the idea that the design is not yet finished. Some more complete uh, drawings make the client feel like the project is too far along and that it's too complete. So that's why I like SketchUp. And when we need something a little more slick or finished looking, we'll outsource for a fully rendered model or an illustration. Um, and we've been doing what we do for a very long time. So moving to a new BIM platform, such as Revit or Vectorworks, that would not come without significant pain for us. And right now we are busier than ever. We're busier than we've ever been. We have, you know, we're, we're having a tough time meeting our deadlines now. So moving to a new software, learning how it works, ramping back up to the level of efficiency that we enjoy today would take a very long time. And that's time that we're not willing to sacrifice. And for me personally, with all the time and effort that I put into this podcast and writing articles for the blog, I most certainly do not have the time to commit to learning to a new design software. You know, and I've heard other people say, you know, if time is... Yeah, it, it's n not enough time is not a good excuse. Well, I've already given given up television. I've abandoned television a long time ago. I actually wrote a post on it on the blog. So if you want to read about that, I'm not sure which post it was, but you can search uh, television. It may actually be my um, my twelve 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 project post, uh, and maybe it may even, no. I don't think I mentioned it in my first blog post or my first episode of the of the, uh, of the podcast. I did do a blog post about how I abandoned television and the number of hours that I've I've wasted watching television. It's it's amazing. You should go and look for that post. It's very interesting. And and truthfully, my sleep is dedicated to you and this online resource for that I'm creating for you. You know, any extra time that I could find to learn a new program would be much better spent developing new products and new services for the entrepreneur architect community. That's how I feel. So is it worth the time and effort and expense to make the transition to BIM? You know, I know a lot of small firms have already made the move to BIM software. And, and other than the expected frustration and the growing pains of learning a new skill, I don't hear a whole lot of regret. So it may be the way to go. And I believe in the long term, the information model will eventually win the war. And every architect will be using BIM to design and develop their projects much the same way that drafting boards were pushed to the side to make way for CAD stations. But for now, for what we do as small firm architects, and in our case, our specific case, serving clients with services for large residential additions and alterations, is moving to BIM really the best decision for us? Or is it overkill? Are we living in a world of BIM sanity? I love that, BIM sanity where we, we're all adopting the latest and the greatest with, with hope that well, this, this software will take us to the, next, the, to the next big level? Is adopting BIM the best financial decision? Will it actually make us more profitable? I don't know. And you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you know my feeling on that. Taking your firm to the next level will likely not result from the extraordinary designs that you create or cutting edge software that you buy. Success comes from planning and focus and dedication to the fundamentals of business. Project management, financial management, sales, marketing, branding, 
and keeping your clients very, very happy throughout the whole process. So is BIM really, is it really worth the hype? Or is AutoCAD LT, as basic as, as, it, as it might be, is AutoCAD LT a better choice for small firm architects? I don't really know the answer. I'd love to know what you think. Please go to the post for this episode at entrearchitect.com slash episode 29 and leave a comment. Should I be planning a move to BIM for 5CAT Studio? Or should we just carry on with the tools we already have in place? So this is going to be a short episode. I'm heading out to North Carolina tomorrow morning to celebrate my nephew's first Holy Communion. You know, heading out in the middle of the week without much more consequence than a few hundred unanswered emails waiting for me upon my return. You know, it's one of the benefits of living an integrated life. And did you read this week's article on the blog? It's about living an integrated life as a small firm architect. If you haven't had a chance to read it, I invite you to do so at entrearchitect.com. I have received many, many comments at the blog and retweets on Twitter and email about the post. So it certainly has resonated with our community. So uh, living an integrated life as a small firm architect at entrearchitect.com. Check it out. And before I wrap up here, as usual, I want to remind you to leave a rating and review at iTunes. EntreeArchitect.com slash iTunes will send you over to my iTunes page on the web. Just click that button that is labeled there. Uh, it's labeled View in iTunes, and that will open up your iTunes app. Or you could just open up your iTunes app and search for Entrepreneur Architect. That'll get you there, too. And that's where you can leave the review for the show. I'd love to know what you think, and those reviews and ratings help other Entree Architects find us here and, and, uh, and push us up the ratings so more and more architects can, and can find us here and, and learn about what we're talking about here. So I thank you very much. If you do leave a review, uh, I do thank you. So that's a wrap for this week. I know it's short. Sorry about that. Um, I will be back next week with another great episode of the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. So until next week, my name is Mark R. LePage, and I am an entrepreneur architect. Thanks for listening. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris Owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience 
I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.